Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, welcome to the Inferno Suns podcast. This is the silver episode number 25 with our co-host, Seth Chabalas, a legendary NBA player from the Suns and the Lakers, as well as also the Dallas Mavericks, and Patrick Batillo, Dr. Patrick Batillo, state champion coach of Peoria High School. And we're going to talk about the playoffs now that we're here. Playoffs! Playoffs! On my Jim Mora voice. So, yeah, we're going to go into the Suns entering the playoffs on an 8-1 record, and they have one game left against the Suns. I'm sorry, against the uh, Los Angeles Clippers on Sunday. And then they have a week off as a play-in tournament begins. The five through nine spots in the Western Conference have yet to be finalized. They will be finalized as of tomorrow once the regular season ends for everybody. And then the East is already set one through eight. But uh, there's a lot of parody, a lot of wackiness going on in the West. But we're going to start with the craziness of not just Suns, but, you know, in the West. But the fact that the Mavericks, your old team, said they are out of the playoffs and are they in the Victor Wembayama sweepstakes now that they sat <laughs> pretty much uh, their guys and made an executive order to not play them for the whole game and pretty much wave the white flag on the season to not try to get in the playing tournament? Well, cliche from uh, coming, um, what was that the name of that movie, Boomerang? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I said that weeks ago when they got Kyrie that it was going to be difficult for them to make the playoffs because of the defensive presence. Uh, Finley, Finley Smith, uh, Dorian uh, just was, he was a guy who really clamped on whoever was that big threat and, and could contain. And not only that, he can rotate and, and command that everybody else rotates. So when they let those guys go uh, with that trade to Kyrie, I knew it was going to be very difficult. But I think the biggest thing is, like you said, you know, trying to get in that sweepstakes and did they want to, you know, purposely do that and the NBA is investigating them. This is uh, it's going to be tough because if Kyrie doesn't sign as a free agent, wh where do you go? I mean, you, you have to fire the GM after that. I don't know if that's going to really be a great team. And that's why, you know, rumors are saying Luca won't resign and, in uh, 24, or he'll demand a trade, excuse me, in 24, uh, because it'll take three or four years to get back. Uh, now, that's a big risk trying to get the big fella. Uh, he's been training in Dallas. I've, I've, I've even trained with him a couple of times, uh, but uh, that's a big risk uh, to take. And I thought that they, you know, really came to terms like, yeah, this it's, it's is going to be very difficult, or it'll be risky for us to try to make the playoffs, Doc. I'm wondering about yeah. the, the 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 thing. Just just a second, Patrick. Sorry, I'm I'm just wanted to interject one thing about the GM. Isn't he the one that just got hired a year ago? Uh, from Nike. He was a former Nike executive named Nico, and it yes. has that connection with Luca and also Jason Kidd from who was also a Nike signee. Right. He also signed Kyrie's deal. He always also did Kyrie's deal, which right. I thought that that was a, a ploy to try to get Kyrie over to Dallas. Obviously, it did work, but, um, you know, it's not going to look good for Nico to try to 
if he doesn't get Kyrie to stay, uh, because you know, then that's going to force Lucas hand to try to, uh, demand a trade. Cause it's going to be hard to get a free agent. I've been saying this from Lucas first year when they, when he kind of exiled, um, uh, Smith jr. Uh, when they, you know, Rick Carlisle said, you know, Smith jr. Is not a guy. Obviously we gave, they gave the ball to Luca. Uh, but I, I told him his facial expressions when, things weren't going his way or he didn't get the ball or Dennis Smith Jr. did certain things. I said, people in the league, players, we look at each other and we watch highlights and we watch films uh, and we see what kind of star. And, and and so far, no star has been banging on Dallas's door to come in freely, you know what I'm saying, to sign freely. I mean, obviously the trades, uh, you, can't, you can't really do anything about that. But when you have an opportunity to get out, you get out. Um, you know, even uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, you know, the man wanted wanted more offers, but just didn't get those offers. So he had to, you know, stay where he is at home and settle for that contract that he got, which is a great contract. But not a lot of free agents are coming to try to play with Luca. They're not, you know, even in their latter years, uh, they're not coming in trying to, you know, play with Luca for those reasons. Uh, I just think he needs to be in shape. You know, uh, the reason why he continued the reason it's not a, uh, I don't think it's a low management thing. It's just. You know, he just got has to get in shape uh, and so he can go up and down. Dallas plays better up and down. Uh, if he gets in better shape, I mean, obviously he's unstoppable, uh, very dominant. But I think if he gets in shape, his defensive will pick up and uh, you won't see it as you won't see as many opportunities for him to complain at the refs. Right. The, the, the Mavericks are 10 and 17 with Kyrie. And I know the blame game is easy to point at Kyrie for why the Mavericks collapsed. But, you know, I just saw on a stat of, Sports Center last night that this uh the the Mavericks are the only team uh I believe in 40 years since the 80-81 season to uh basically be uh not make the playoffs after being in fourth place through or or at least fourth place through 55 games which is crazy and also uh the fact that Kyrie the trade between Brooklyn to Dallas, that was not at Kyrie's behest. That was really a Sean Marks's behest, the GM of the Nets. Yes. So, Patrick, what were you going to say before we uh, jumped onto that caveat? Yeah, all I have to say is uh, culturally, um, there there's an issue there, right? You had Kyrie making comments uh, a couple weeks ago about, or maybe even just a week ago about, you know, something like a disaster or a cluster mess. Uh, for for uh, paraphrasing, uh, that's not a good look. Then you have Jason Kidd coming out and the comments he made that obviously uh, said alluded to the investigation going on. Um, that wasn't a good look. And so uh, it it is culturally as a coach, um, there's concern there, uh, both from the front office down and, and then with your player personnel and your staff. So I'll be interested to see, as said said, do they retain uh, the GM? What are they doing with Jason Kidd? Uh, how how does all of that factor in? Mark Cuban had that random press conference, and uh, you know he provided insight. So uh, to me, if I'm I'm a fan of that organization, I'm I'm definitely concerned. And as said called it, you know he didn't think they make the playoffs. They're not now, and that that is a problem for what they did last year, and then obviously the big trade they had. So uh, there is going to be a lot of eyes on that organization in this offseason. To that extent, is this a sweet revenge for Suns fans after what happened last year, like you said, Patrick? 
Oh, there's no doubt. I saw all the posts already, you know, once they were officially eliminated of, uh, you know, that's what they get and so on and so forth. So, yeah, if you're a Suns fan, you are uh, happy that they're out uh, based on, you know, them sending us home last year. I think that's just a natural instinct. Yeah, I feel like with this, it's all last summer, it was Luca broke the Suns. And to see what's trending, it's Tyree broke the Mavs, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. And we get to our next topic about where the Suns are now. We spoke about this already between the Clippers and the Warriors. So the way that the West is now, people are fighting for that fifth spot to get a week off, just like the Suns have off after they clinch the fourth spot. The Lakers, they're trending upward as 15-7 and seven since the All-Star break, the best record in the West since the All-Star break. They turned it around to 42-39. and 39. LeBron said after beating the Suns on Friday night that he feels good that they have turned this thing around and they are that many games above 500 compared to where they were through most of the season through the first half. And then you have the LA Clippers who beat the Lakers actually on Thursday night. And that was the first of the Lakers back-to-back in Los Angeles, obviously. Uh, and so then we have the um, Minnesota Timberwolves who possibly could make that spot. Uh, and then before then, it was the Pelicans, but, you know, the night before. But the, that the, they, they're not in that spot. So it's like there's they're only two games apart from five spots. If I'm reading the, the standings right, there's so much of uh, contingencies that could happen where the, the, the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Warriors, actually, I should name, they could be in that fifth spot. Because the Warriors are currently six, and they both are on a two-game win streak uh, with the Clippers, and the Lakers are seven. So actually, it is the yeah, me, it's yeah, it's not the the Lakers, not the Timberwolves. It's actually the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. The Warriors. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So, who would you rather play with the Lakers trending upward and LeBron's playing hurt, but he's playing well, and then you have the Warriors at full head of steam, and now with the Clippers, we had this conversation, uh, you know, last time. In your last episode, who would you rather have now after seeing a couple more games for that fifth spot in the first round for the Suns? Said you go well, yeah. And Dana, I don't the clip the Lakers aren't an option now after today's games. It's going to be uh, New Orleans, the Warriors, or the Clippers. Okay, Um, there's no way that it's the Lakers. So So it could be the Pelicans in the first round again. Correct against the the Suns. Wow. So we might have another first round matchup with Suns. Pelicans. All right. Thank you for that correction. I stand corrected. Uh, You're welcome. Who would you rather have, though? Would you rather have the Pelicans, who actually have been playing well, the Warriors, who don't play well on the road? They're 10 and 30 on the road, and Suns would have home court advantage. And they the bench actually plays better uh, for the Suns than the, the Warriors, who are ranked 21st in bench net rating compared to the Suns, who are third in the league uh, in that stat. Or would you rather have the Clippers, who are basically leaning towards being that fifth lock. Well, in my opinion, I would go Pelicans. The reason I would go Pelicans is at point guard positions. Um, obviously, they're all playing well, and, and the Clippers could use that rest, uh, you know, get Paul George back. But I think the point guard position is going to be very difficult uh, for us on, on the Clippers side and also on um, Golden State side. So definitely the Pelicans, and especially with Cam going down, I don't know if that butt bone is going to be uh, effective uh, 
or, or, or back to his normal uh, playing ability uh, because he's going to be a, a huge key from that backup position uh, for Chris Paul. Uh, I don't think it being a difficult task for Chris Paul, but obviously what, you know, Cam may or may not be out, that might be tough. And then you got Bismack not, not having him uh, out, not having to back up his defensive presence, his shot blocking ability, uh, especially against the Warriors. Uh, he, he comes in key uh, with, you know, being almost the same size as Draymond Green and and that effective, not not the offensive passing and shooting the threat that Draymond is, but I think defensive-wise, they can go blow for blow. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be, um, in my opinion, I think it a better better bet, even though they're dangerous when, when you get a young team like that uh, that really doesn't know any better, so to speak. Uh, they do have some playoff experience, but they don't really know any better, and they really want to try to make their mark uh, in New Orleans. Uh, but I, I think as far as experience-wise and, and the fact that we have uh, two common denominators in KD and Book, I think that that would be a great test of, of helping our de help defense rotate and get ready for the next round. Yeah, and Trey Murphy is actually blossoming as one of their better scoring threats in the past few games, too. I mean, he's he's playing extremely well in the past two weeks, and, you know, that he's basically – him and Herb Jones both. I mean, Herb Jones is their defense specialist, but Trey Murphy is basically their three-point threat that pretty much is going to pose a problem for the Suns and the closeouts on three. Um, Patrick, who would you rather have? Yeah, so I would agree with said. However, I'm going to say the fact that that is very, very unlikely because the Clippers would have to lose against the Suns and then um, the Portland Trailblazers would have to beat the Warriors and then New Orleans would have to win. So all that has to happen tomorrow for it to be the Pelicans. Uh, so I don't see all of that happening. So between the Clippers and the Warriors, I'm going with the Clippers. And really the Warrior or the Clippers – or the Suns, however you want to look at it, control the destiny. Because if the Clippers win tomorrow, they're automatically the fifth seed because they own the tiebreaker. So really, you can say the Phoenix Suns control their own destiny to an extent. Do they want to play the Clippers or do they want to play the Warriors? And obviously with six, seven guys sitting out, um, you know, that that's going to make it that much easier for the Clippers. And so when I'm looking at those two, obviously for me, I lean to the Clippers with Paul George not being healthy, even if he does return, having that in the first round versus um, the Warriors. I'm not a fan of obviously how awful their record were or was this season on the road. I'm not buying that for the playoffs. It's a whole new world. Um, as said, knows you at the playoffs, it's, it's just different. And so um, they're the defending champs. They have the experience. So that's not a team that I want to see see early on especially um there is an advantage if we did see him early on right we being the Suns, because they're they're getting back in rhythm uh wiggins coming back etc so there will be advantages if they are that first round but uh to me it's just tomorrow's matchup is so exciting because really again the the Suns or the clippers control who the phoenix suns will play in that first round yeah i understand those points in which the clippers and you know paul george they don't close games well but they won tonight. Uh, they won Saturday night, I should say, against the uh, Portland Trailblazers, who anybody can be. And they're basically tanking and packing it in to, you know, resort to the lottery. Um, and, you know, as they sat Damian Lillard for the rest of the season. But the Warriors is who I want because I want to basically have a team that the Suns could beat as prove their superpower ways if they can. Because if you dethrone the Warriors. You get them out of the playoffs early, knock them out early because if they gain steam as they did last year, they are going to be hard to stop, especially when they have all five guys back in as Andrew Wiggins gets back into in-game shape after missing 21 games. When you miss that many games, you're not in in-game shape. And you can attest to this, Said, 
you know, when you're injured for that long or when you're away from the game for that long, you're not in game shape. So when you knock out a key component, when their their standard five, starting five of Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green are together, they are the best starting five in the NBA. Uh, and they basically are the reason why they we, we were the best scoring team behind the Kings in the NBA for most of the season until Andrew Wiggins stepped out. So they basically have the bench that is a question. They're younger. Yeah, they got some they, – they definitely got some guys that can put in some work, but it's not as strong as the Suns bench as the Suns bench has been producing much better over the past couple weeks in this, you know, ten, you know two-week stretch through the, you know, mid-March – after, you know, especially since KD came back, they found their lineups that they're uh, basically coalescing, that they know how to go in and basically, you know, to close out the games. Yes, the third quarters are questionable for the Suns, really, really questionable as we've seen the past couple games in the past week, uh, past few games. But uh, they are stronger uh, bench than the Warriors bench. And I do not want to see the Warriors find their way midway through the playoffs after getting through the first round. In the second round last year, we saw what happened in the Memphis series, and they gained full head of steam, and then they cruised past you know the Dallas Mavericks. And then when they went down 2-1 to one against the Celtics, they cruised from then on out against Boston. And so – I don't want to see the Warriors. Sorry about that. No, I don't want to see the Warriors because there's so much motivation behind playing the Suns. I, I mean, one, KD hasn't played in – uh, the Chase Center yet. Yeah, he hasn't been back uh, to play there. Too Draymond and Kevin Durant. You know that's all of a sudden he's going to turn it on. Uh, you know their their road worries. I still don't think that they have taken care of the Draymond pool fight. I think that's why they're road because when we go on the road, that's our togetherness. That's our brotherhood. That's where we we really come together. And I think they got little pockets of of you know this little squad and this little squad, but. The, the the common denominator is those two shooters in a, in in the game seven, like you said, uh, uh, Doc. There is going to be very difficult for them to run on the road, but they can win and they do play well because they separate themselves when they're playing at home. They're not with each other all the time like they're on the road to get that whatever's going on between that fight that went down uh, preseason, but. Uh, you have a game seven with those two shooters that are completely unguardable in the, in the new NBA rules. It's really difficult. I understand, again, uh, you, you know, the drama between, you know, Kevin Durant leaving and all that. But I, I just, just those two are just, just tremendously hard to guard. So, and then if you look over at the Clippers situation, uh, you know, when panic sets in, if they're down a game or two or they're not doing what they're, you know, want to do panic and sit in. I, I think you know you can get a four-one series, four-two series out of that, and 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 move on just because they go. Oh, you know, maybe just just didn't work. Let's wait for the new arena. Let's wait for this. Uh, Paul wasn't here. He was half speed or this, that, and the other. Uh, they'll start making excuses, and then Suns will just take over. Uh, and then uh, on the other side, Dana, you saying if the if you see the Warriors later on in, in the rounds, wow. Uh, you know, you've got a Wiggins that's in shape now after a couple of games and a series or two, and then you meet them later on. Yeah, they can be very dangerous with the confidence and the uh, championship ability that they have. That's what I said. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah, but how exciting would that be? Because if the Suns win uh, and make it to the Western Conference Finals, and if 
the Warriors are on the other side of the bracket, that would be the Western Conference Finals matchup. And how how great for the NBA, how great for everyone would that be to see those two uh, should both make it that far? Because if they don't get the five seed, they're on the other side of the bracket of the Suns. So it would be the Western Conference Finals showdown uh, between those two squads, which I think would be extremely exciting. So yeah, yeah, it would, it now would or be then. great. It would be great as a fan's standpoint, but I'm saying it's just, you know, you get those guys back in shape and rolling. Yep. Uh, you got Peyton junior uh defensive presence he's getting his stuff lathered, lathered back up from his injury yep. and uh, i'd rather see him rather, like i said i'd rather see him now than i'd rather you know like as dana said i'd rather see him down the road in the western conference finals that's that's gonna be a tough task that's so how realistic doing. how realistic do either you think it is with the suns sitting seven guys tomorrow that the suns come out and still beat the clippers because that's the only way that we're that the suns are seeing the warriors in that first round well, I was at the game last uh, Friday against the Lakers, and and they were giving them the business with you know even when they had the two injuries, and and then it just kicked over you know obviously Anthony Davis and some key shots uh, uh, by some young Laker players really really did them in, and I, and then also you who knows if you know Monty kind of pulled the trigger back like okay let's you know we already lost two let's not lose anybody yep. else on this uh, wonderful bench that we had so um, you know, I mean it's a home game it's the last game of the season. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a lot of hoopla. They, they're going to be celebrating Al McCoy. Yes, yes uh, sir. So this may be, you know, a chance where, you know, the Clippers are. And then it's all like it's a day game. You know, it's a day game. Early. Easter, <laughs> it's early. Uh, you know, it could be a difficult challenge in, uh, for the Clippers. And who knows in their mindset where they want to be. They True. may not want to see the Suns. Yeah, you know, you're right. Kevin Durant. So they go, hey, can, let's, let's dive this game and get out of Kevin Durant's hair. Get out of Devin Booker's hair. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen. Have you seen anything said or Dana on anyone that's sitting? Or I haven't seen anything from the Clipper camp. No, but I will say this: Monty said the other night, uh, Thursday, before they played the uh, Nuggets, they and they hosted the Nuggets. They said they wanted to play their guys, uh, their top guys, to see, basically get more reps to yeah. figure out some things for film purposes and see how those looks are with you know KD and Chris, Book, and Aiden together out there. Um, and so they haven't had as much time as they need to basically go into the playoffs so to get those reps in. So, and, and that would be some things that they would need for tape purposes going into the Clippers game on Sunday because uh, if they want to really study the Clippers and see what those looks are with Westbrook, who's still a new member of the Clippers and running that show, as well as uh, having Paul, if he ever does return against uh, the Suns, uh, if the if they were, the Clippers would have played the Suns, and with Kawhi and them together, so to have that you know that, that red tape, so to speak, uh, and, and to basically study these Clippers, that would actually be an ample moment, the opportunity to do that. So I don't know. I would hope that they play, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. But I'm just thinking that it would be good to get that rep against a full strength Clipper squad. Maybe the first half of that and the second half uh mix it out, but who knows? I'm sorry, you skipped out for a second, Seth. Can you say the first half of what you mentioned before you cut out? Sorry for that. Yeah, yeah. One of the things is uh, I, that is a good a good opinion because getting those reps, getting um, the guys to play together, maybe the first quarter and the, and maybe the third quarter, just to get them out there, like you said, get some film on on playing against the Clipper defense, uh, 
also, uh, you know, get those guys lathered up so they don't go in, into this week and not have any game game time experience. Sure. No. And on top of all that, you see uh, the bulletin board material for every team. Clay Thompson's quote today, quote, I don't see a team who can beat us in a seven-game series when we're healthy, close quote. <laughs> I haven't So seen let that. the fun begin. <laughs> I have. Yes, indeed, man. I like – yeah, I love good, you know, trash talk heading into the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I really do. We'll get more into trash talk, college basketball's angle uh, in a second. But first, I want to ask about Bizback Biombo. You mentioned this earlier, being that, that he is the Suns' top rim protector. Undersized, yet he is their best shot blocker. When he got injured against the Lakers, his knee – uh, probably have uh, MRI. I don't know what the uh, medical reports are on his knee, but when you have a guy like that out, I just considered this today. Would you sign a DeMarcus Cousins if he's available to a vet minimum for the playoffs just to have another body backing up Aiton to help keep him out of foul trouble? Any opinion Me? on that? And I yeah, mean, I mean, it depends on what the report is, right, for his health. You have Jock Landell. Um, I don't think it hurts, but from a chemistry perspective, if if they're asking me, I'm I'm not going for it. I would I would stick with what we have unless they know like, hey, this is something serious. He could be out for the entire postseason. Then I think that's different. You look to get somebody, but if it's just he needs to get through this, they already have a full week off, uh, maybe one day less uh, if if the Suns play on the Saturday of next week. But um, unless he's definitively out, uh, I would I would stick with what we have. I'm just looking at what the Warriors did in 2019 when they signed yeah. Marcus Cousins last second, you know, going into the playoffs, you know, or, or halfway through the season just to have another body out there in the middle for an inside presence and an enforcer that he is. So the Suns don't have that with Jay Crowder being gone all season. He was their enforcer on the inside, but, you know, Aiden is not their inside enforcer, even though he is a shot blocker. Technically, he he's not. That's that's really not his game. That's more Bismack Biombo's focus, and with you know his, as the defensive anchor that Aiton is, Biombo is more of a defensive uh, specialist than Aiton is. So that's why I'm asking what the cousin, when if Cousins was or some other uh, player that would be on a vet minimum, uh, who would be the guy if the case that Biz is actually out for most of the playoffs? Yeah, I don't think they would make that call. Because in this round, the first round, but second and third, maybe if they're going against Anthony Davis and then they get to see the yoke man, uh, that, that would be obviously a great part of that. And that'll give that person, it is either his cousins or another free agent. That's a big guy, uh, opportunity to, to gain some chemistry, to learn some things about the Suns the first round. And then maybe in the second and third round, have an opportunity to guard, you know, take care of their big men. And not only, um, you know, taking care of them. And when you come to Cousins, you got an opportunity to stretch a little bit. You know, obviously it's going to add some some, uh, some three-point shooting that, you know, that Biz doesn't do. Uh, and then also offensive a threat and throwing the ball into the post. And and uh, so that is, a, that is a good call right there. But I don't know, you know, it's, it's tough because when it comes to Cousins and, and, and the chemistry of the team, you know, do you, you, you take that chance on that locker room being shook up a little bit to, to bring Cousins in? That's a tough choice. Stuff choice and a lot of text coming from that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. You know, just based on the flagrance that he does cause. Um, so our last topic before we get off uh, is about trash talk, like I said, in college basketball. Literally, uh, 
about the women's game and, and how basically people are trashing uh, Angel uh, Angel Reese because of what she did uh, in response to Caitlin Clark uh, of Iowa in that LSU versus Iowa game. Obviously, this is a race undercurrent when it comes to the double standards of Caitlin Clark versus Angel Reese and what they have said and done during games and what we saw with Jill Biden offering to have the first time ever losing team come to the White House along with a winning team in LSU and people citing, oh, you know, basically this is some gaslighting of, you know, of, of racism. Um, and I'm just really, really curious about what your opinions are about that. Shout out to UConn, my home state, for winning the title. They're fifth. They are a blue blood. I knew that was coming. I just, <laughs> <laughs> of course. I want San Diego State to win, obviously, California kid. But I, I thought their story was remarkable. and uh, Great uh, shot, Con man. Kid Butler made, man. Oh, man, huge shot, man, to get him, get him in the championship game. But uh, UConn was just, uh, you know, superb the whole tournament. They really stayed consistent. Uh, they were big. They had shot makers, big shot makers, great rebounding. Uh, just a little yeah. bit too much uh, for the kids in, in Southern California. Uh, as far as Angel Reese and, and the women's basketball, first things first, we haven't seen this. There's been trash talking a long time in, in women's basketball, but it's just right. been pushed to the forefront. And I think the women have uh, understood, uh, one, uh, that, that their marketing ability uh, it has really stepped up. And they've been, they've been real courageous in the times by just sitting back and watching. But now – you know, with social media and everything that's going on, it's really pushing not only themselves, but women's basketball in the forefront. And I think that's the the second biggest thing. Obviously, the racial tone uh, it was there, but the second biggest thing and and the fact that a lot of people who are not socially social media driven didn't hadn't seen this. And it was so shocking to them and it was appalling to them. They really didn't know what was going on. They didn't even understand Iowa's trash talking uh, when it first came out. But this has been going on for years and I'm glad uh, they've got almost 10 million eyes on them uh, in the championship game. And, uh, you know, the place was sold out, packed to the rim. Even people were calling me trying to get tickets in Dallas. It's just a great, great thing for the sport. I think the ladies handled it well. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I didn't think that they were trying to chop each other's head off or wanted anything malice to each other. I, I just, I, it just a regular. It would just they just turned women's basketball into a pickup game, and I I thought it was great. Uh, no, no hard fouls. No, no. I, you know, obviously, you see, Io didn't have any hard feelings besides losing the game. Uh, but it, you know, and that's the saying that Angel had somebody else's back on on South Carolina's team. And, SEC, uh, SEC yeah, puts together. Yeah, yeah she so, says, so that's all that, that was. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it is a tone and that's a tough scenario uh, for Iowa and also for LSU being the winner. You know, you don't want to you don't want to discourage or not take that uh, you know invitation to the White House. But it is it is unprecedented that uh, you know losing team it just doesn't happen. And I, and I wish she would uh, retract that. And I think, you know, the bigger thing to do if if I was Iowa would to not accept that invitation uh, just on the fact that, you know, we've got things to do. She's coming back next year. Yeah, so yeah. if she goes to the White House, is, does she come back softer? Does she come back with less determination going, hey, well, I didn't win it, but I still went to the White House. I still yeah. celebrated the same way the champions did. So uh, as as a hunger and a competitor in, in my 
in my mind, I wouldn't accept that invitation. And I will try to go back next year and get my own official, official invitation. Sure. Yeah, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's great for the sport, as said, uh, stated. Um, the, you know, I, I just social media just blows everything out of proportion. And that's what gets the headlines and the stories. Uh, there was absolutely nothing wrong either way. Like I, I'm a coach. I love it. The the players love it. Like they feed off of it. So let that continue. Great for for them and their sport. As I said, said I was like 12.8. I think at peak viewers and at average like just under 10 million, which is amazing. I don't know who didn't tune in to watch it. Um, and what I will say about the White House, I'm I'm furious because like that's just disrespectful in my opinion. The game wasn't even that close, with all due respect. Yeah, right? 17 points uh, I mean, at the half. Uh, so what what are you doing? What, like you know. that that just hearing Dr. Biden, you know, Jill, Dr. Joe Biden, President Biden's wife that was at the game just make that statement irritated me uh and then that an actual invitation went out i'm like get out of here like you're you're just discrediting the whole purpose of winning and so that 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 is i'm more hot about that than anything because it's like what are you doing as said said when we lost the state title game so andrew camacho was on our squad that year on varsity they all four of my seniors were in the program but only drew on varsity and myself and when we lost in overtime you can't replace that feeling and that experience. And if I, we were to get a pat on the back or, you know, something That's... of that nature, like, give me a break. Like that, I would be disrespectful. I would be like, no, absolutely not. We did not earn this. Like, no. And so uh, as a competitor and as a coach, I I would I would definitely decline it. Uh, and like I said, I'm just irritated that that even was a thought and and was a story because that that's not what it's about. And those ladies earned it at, uh, at you know, LSU and they need to go and enjoy that. And I hope they do. I know I saw some comments that some are going to go to the Obamas, go to the Obamas as well. Um, but I wouldn't blame them if they're not going. It just takes away that tradition of what that means. But it also has been broken now because uh, you invited, you know, the team that quite frankly, doesn't even deserve it and did not, you know, play the level that LSU did in that game. And then yeah. it's on the eve upon, I think, I don't know what state it is, but they eliminated the uh, participation trophies when it comes to kids. So, yeah, uh, oh. it, it didn't win. Was it Texas? I, I think it was Texas. Was it Texas? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, so they just, with this coming in, it just, go, you know, blows blows everybody's mind away by being runner-up or second place and you still get that, that, that gift of the White House. You know, to be honest, this looked like the women's college basketball version of that movie 20 years ago, uh, the dance battle between the white cheerleaders versus the black cheerleaders. You got served. <laughs> it was it actually on. North Carolina. I Bring stand corrected. So. <laughs> North Carolina, that band. Um, right. I, I just remember when you got served from like 2004, 2005 or something like that. And it was like, the dance battles they had and this is like it was all love at the end you know but it was like real intense competition and you, you couldn't see past the black versus white element of the movie right even the intros of like you know the the pregame warm-up or no, i'm sorry yeah so yeah i just it just it just reminded me of that movie if 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 you've ever seen that or if you know what i'm talking about so, yeah, we just wanted to uh, say uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, sorry for the technical difficulties, but we will be back 
uh, episode 26 with our friend Flex from New Jersey. Uh, he actually is a longtime Suns insider from New Jersey, and he also is by coastal. comes back to the Phoenix area once in a while, and uh, we're going to have a lot to chop up with him about New Jersey hip-hop history. Uh, I don't know if you grew up on a lot of that said, being from L.A., uh, but, uh, you know, Poor Righteous Teachers and Queen Latifah, Red Man, you know, what have you. We'll be talking about a lot of that along with some Suns stuff, too, for, you know, the playoffs that begin on April 15th. And, yep, I'm about to hit the road. Let's and go. Playing tournament this week. So thanks for tuning in, folks. For Cedric Sabalas and Patrick Vatilla, this is Dana Scott saying peace, everybody. We'll see you next time and talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.